0: bing 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 kia ora everyone <laughs> no ravine cut that <clears throat> kia it, everyone and welcome back to your bonafide favorite pop culture podcast led by london laura and lively lucy <laughs> we have never called me lively lucy and, and we never will again never will again laura Gosh. how the hell are
1: you? Oh, I mean, we've had a few false starts this morning, but, well, this evening for me, but I'm feeling fabulous. I'm very happy to be here.
0: It feels like
1: a lot of time passes between our chats, even though it's only six days.
0: Even though it's only six days, and even though we've basically had the same topic up our sleeve for about six weeks now, which is boundaries (laughs) and Jonah Hill. And we've decided (laughs) it's evergreen. It's evergreen, and we're basically talking about it today, but there's been a lot more News, not news. A lot more shit that's gone down in the past sort of week. So this is a bit of a um, bits and bobs episode. Just a lot of she's stories. all over the
1: place. I think today she's all she over is. the place.
0: Follow us on the journey. We've got Lizzo coming up. We've got. I've actually seen Ruby's done us a fucking good should we care? Do I care this week? I get a
1: bit nervous for
0: these because
1: some of the time I'm like, God, I really don't know what it's going to be.
0: Well, I know, and neither do I. So it's like we're really just going rogue. What if one week neither of us have
1: any idea what she's talking about? What if one week she makes something up and we pretend that we know?
0: Well, then we just have to say we don't care. The whole thing is being honest. Everyone, the whole thing about culture vulture is being honest. So if we don't know or we don't care, we'll tell you. (laughs) But anyway, one thing I do care about, or do I, is what describes your week?
1: What describes my week? I was just complaining to Lucy and I'm becoming more British by the day because I was complaining about the weather. But my week is summed up by rain. I don't know if there is any news about this. I doubt it because it's very boring, but we're having a very wet, very gray English summer. I I think it's actually rained every single day in July and now into
0: August. Well, which is not great. The news about that is that this morning I posted our little shit you should care about today on TikTok video and. One of the stories was July 2023 has been the hottest year on record. And then it sort of prompted every single person who's not having a hot July to comment about their weather. So I did know about this because everyone's like, well, in Germany it's freezing cold and in London it's raining. And I commented, yep, well, in New Zealand it's snowing. But I am like not sure that that matters right now because we've had the. Holidays.
1: Don't shoot the messenger, everyone. Okay. Oh,
0: She's just. No. Here. to report
1: the facts. oh my god i am
0: probably and i don't want to sound up myself but if there's one messenger that's been shot the most in the world i dare (laughs) say i'd be quite up there with just trying to do my job do a service that helps people know what's up she's just a humble weather girl she's a humble weather girl everyone (laughs) i'm a humble weather girl and look i'm just In the line of fire every morning, and I still get up to do it for y'all, so.
1: (laughs) Oh my, well, yes, the weather has been truly (laughs) crap here, Um, which, I don't know, I think, I've seen, though, that heat waves ever out, so it's quite confusing, but mentally, I have been living in summer and feeding myself and the 5,000 people staying on my lounge floor every night. Berries and cream for dessert every day because raspberries are a beautiful British thing and Lucy gave me so much shit about
0: this. I saw okay, everyone. So Laura writes shit you should cook about every week for us in the newsletter. And I see she's just joined Geneva, our group chat, and she's running that shit you should cook about little group over there. Anyway, she sent me a recipe each week. And it's funny because it's like I would never cook. And I see these recipes and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I could do that. I couldn't do that. I could try that. And this week she sent berries and cream as a recipe. And I was like, the name and the method for that is in the title. Like, what more could you have possibly written? And also there's that little berries and cream, berries and cream. I'm a little egg. I know. (laughs) And so I just thought it was a really funny thing to write about i mean she wrote about it beautifully because there's always a little backstory which i like
1: there's always a backstory and i have been eating it literally every single day and i i love whipped cream more than the average person should (laughs) i think like i would i would happily eat a cereal bowl of whipped cream on its own and that would be my perfect (laughs) i'm i'm a freak like i love that and raspberries are a close second Mm. and i don't know what it is about new zealand but they always cost like dollars, mm. which is a ridiculous amount to ever spend so I would literally buy like one punnet a year but here they're like one pound so so I live it up with raspberries but I did I did think before I wrote the recipe that week because I try to think okay what could loose cook this is my person <laughs> in my head no. and I've also <laughs> it is a bad been, <laughs> mark I've been eating this like quite extremely easy to cook, but probably a little bit out there like fishy soup. And I was like, Gru, could I do this? Stanley Tucci light. He was like, I don't think. I don't think it, Laura, it's yeah. I don't think you should do that. He was like, Listen, I eat it because I have to, but like <laughs> no one wants that no one wants that here so I said well berries and cream like surely Lucy can do that one <laughs> no and then this is what I get that should this never be the I mark get.
0: of whether you write something or not because one most things in the world give me heartburn so I can't <laughs> I won't cook them anyway two I like famously don't like fruit <laughs> so You've got to, you have to be joking you're talking shit. I don't like fruit. I love what do you vegetables. mean you don't? I don't like fruit because like, what? I really can't handle sour stuff uh, and I don't have a sweet tooth. <laughs> no, okay, I love watermelon. Okay, this is so boring for the people. They actually don't give a fuck. What very Harry like. Styles <laughs> coded. Gosh. <laughs> oh, I like watermelon sugar and I really like <laughs> cherries. <laughs> anyway... Um, my week, thanks for asking, oh, is described... Lucy, please. <laughs> Lucy what's your favourite fruit and what describes your week? <laughs> favourite fruit, watermelon. Favourite <laughs> week, <laughs> my birthday week. No, favourite... No, what describes my week? Um, honestly, all I have here is road trip. No, this is actually good because... Okay, it's road trip because... Sorry, that's my um, brain interrupting my own brain with other thoughts. If you'd like to diagnose me with something, it's already been done by everyone online. So don't feel the need to, but also feel free to if you want, because this is a free country. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah, <laughs> road trip. <laughs> my We're never going to just... get to boundaries. We're never gonna... <laughs> I think we need to set some. Um, we get a 5 minute intro not an 11 minute 45 intro which is what we've done
1: I'm going to set some timers
0: for the future it could just be every time a siren comes past we have to change the topic (laughs) (laughs) because that always happens (laughs) okay let me do this what describes my week road trip because i've been sitting in a car i've just been to golden bay and with my family and you know there was a lot of road tripping it was really fun this is something interesting about me that other people can't do i read a whole book in the back of the car on the way there and it's like a really winding drive oh windy that is a drive.
1: superpower how on yeah her. my mum was
0: like how the hell are you reading back there and i was like i don't get car sick so you don't get car sick don't get car sick i think it's cuz it's like I need to be productive and I just can't, I just can't get car sick. I need to read this. (laughs) No, you do not control your body to the point where you just tell it, no, you're not allowed to get car (laughs) sick. Well, we were actually just talking about how I refused to let my mum and dad take me to the hospital when my appendix was literally rupturing because I thought I was going to be a burden. So I was trying to control my... um, Sickness then. No, but I don't get car sick, so I read a book in the back of the car. Anyway, then tomorrow I'm going on a big road trip down south to, like, the lakes that I grew up camping at because we've got a project that we're working on and I need some solitude. So that's a long road trip. And then me and my dad watched We're the Millers, which is an underrated movie, everyone. It is fucking hilarious. You think it's going to be cringe? It's not. It's so good, so... Um, that's Jennifer Aniston. Trip. I can see Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston, Jason Sudeikis, eyebrow guy, Emma Roberts. It just slays. It's so oh. funny, everyone. And I've got like impeccable taste. So seriously, <laughs> <laughs> except for, for fruit. And
1: <laughs> can I just say that it's seven thirty a.m. Where Lucy? That's <laughs> right now. I would. Be- <laughs> the fact that you can come here with this much energy at 7.30. I'm <laughs> I am
0: It's so crawling. fun. It's because it's the only time Laura and I get to see each other every week. So it's like you uh, are all hearing a literal catch-up and a 7.30am. For better or worse. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. Huge one. Um, as you all know, producer Ruby does should I care. She writes us the stories. She finds them. But we wanted to talk about something I actually wrote in the newsletter first, which is about Lizzo because Lizzo has just been everywhere in the news this week. We couldn't come everywhere. on in our right minds and do a podcast about pop culture and not talk about Lizzo, even though that's what we've done with Jonah Health for about six weeks we've <laughs> put it on anyway so this week it was reported that Lizzo is being sued by some of her former dancers who alleged that she had sexually harassed them and created a hostile work environment through sexual racial and religious harassments so they said that this happened between 2021 and 2023 and I'm sure a bunch of you have read the lawsuit by now or at least Probably seen biased TikToks about it. I'm sure you've seen. So we're not going to run through every little bit about the lawsuit, mm. but um, essentially, it sort of shattered the image that everyone had of Lizzo. She Lizzo stands against everything that the lawsuit has now sort of alleged that she's done, and then this went crazy online, and Lizzo um, responded in a sort of Notes app style way. And I will say, I'm gonna read out the response that Lizzo gave because of course when something's like legal or going to court or whatever, there's only so much you can say in your response to this without getting yourself in trouble or sort of accidentally admitting things or accidentally, you know, speaking out speaking out of turn. So while you're listening to this, just sort of recognize that there are some things that she actually wouldn't have been able to say. Anyway, she said, These last few days have been gut-wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. My work ethic, morals, and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been criticized. Usually I choose not to respond to false allegations, but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed. These sensationalized stories are coming from former employees who have already publicly admitted that they were told their behavior on tour was inappropriate and unprofessional. As an artist, I've always been very passionate about what I do. I take my music and my performance very seriously because at the end of the day, I only want to put out the best art that represents me and my fans. With passion comes hard work and high standards. Sometimes I have to make hard decisions, but it's never my intention to make anyone feel uncomfortable or like they aren't valued as an important part of the team. I'm not here to be looked at as the victim, but I also know that I'm not the villain that people in the media have portrayed me as over the last few days." I am very open with my sexuality and expressing myself but I cannot accept or allow people to use their openness to make me out as something I'm not. There is nothing I could take there is nothing I take more seriously than the respect we deserve as women in the world. I know what it feels like to be body shamed on a daily basis and would absolutely never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. I'm hurt but I will not let the good work I've done be overshadowed by this. I want to thank everyone who's reached out in support to lift me up during this difficult time. So, there's a lot in there. That's her response. Laura, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you've seen this play out Definitely. thus far.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: And so, I, and this happens with basically everything on the internet this these days, found out about this on TikTok, um, saw everyone be super rightfully outraged when they saw the news break, but also... TikTok is not a place where you let the case play out and then state your opinion. TikTok is a place where everyone states their opinion in real time. That is such a good point. Anyway, as I was scrolling, I sort of saw one voice that I thought, okay, this is actually having quite a nuanced take. And this is by, she goes by Culture Work. And she has a really good newsletter called The Weekly Work. And I wrote all about this um, in our newsletter. But she sort of brought a little bit more nuance and a little bit more context to the story. And she she sort of introduced us to the lawyer that is representing the backup dancers. And his name is Ron Zambano. And he essentially is, he's a lawyer, like a bona fide lawyer, but he's quite a celebrity adjacent one, like has done quite a few celebrity cases and goes on a lot of TV talk shows and puts sort of screenshots of his cases and things like that up on the on the Instagram like they love a bit of clout it seems by being celebrity adjacent and so he right. worked with Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde's ex-nanny he gave a whole exclusive to the Daily Mail all about that case he worked for the Donda Academy's lawsuit against Kanye West again there's screenshots of sort of the media reporting on all of these on their Instagram and um, there's just a lot of like TV appearance appearances and media play that comes along with this dude, particularly. And it's just interesting to see the cases he's worked on and and sort of like, I don't know, his public persona, if you will, that comes along with all of this. And it's quite techie and quite icky and obviously... That doesn't discredit anything that's been said in the lawsuit, but it's just something interesting to know about the cases this guy takes on. And then she made a really good point about someone commented to culture work and said, yeah, but have you seen all the other people that are now coming forward and saying that Lizzo wasn't nice to work with? She was unkind. Mm. She was self-centered. She was arrogant. And um, she made a TikTok about it and said, Basically, like Lizzo is allowed to be a wolf, she's allowed to be a shark if she wants to, she's not required to be humble or jolly or soft, and we can unpack why we feel like she needs to be that way. Um, but all of those things are not illegal. Like they are not the things that are being put on trial here. Her character and her personality is not it's not against the law to be that way. And she basically said there are a lot of men in the industry who get to be all those things. And there's no requirement that they remain accessible or soft. And so, yes, there have been all these potentially illegal things or there have been these allegations made that you said before we got on mic, like we need to just let it play out before we can actually comment on any of them. But as she said in her statement, there has also been a lot of character sort of defaming things that don't have anything to do with the lawsuit but often come hand in hand when someone's getting quote-unquote cancelled online. That's very interesting. Online. That's very interesting. I know. And so, I don't know, I've just found this take by Culture Work, which I've totally co-opted, but I really respect it. Um, and amongst, like, all the other noise on social and media. all the noise.
1: And there's so many experts as well, right, in quotation marks. Yes. like. PR experts and legal experts and all these different things and all so much out there at the moment. I think, yeah, nuance is interesting and important and equally, I think, just time at this yes. point. Like
0: and and then another thing I just quickly want to talk about is the whole when you stand for something good, you fall that much further than if you were just a piece of shit celebrity that like didn't stand for anything and then these allegations came out and everyone was like, well, yeah, like that's kind of expected or like, you know, it's sort of not taken as as gut-wrenchingly. But Lizzo, who's stood for so many amazing things about inclusivity and kindness and stuff, sort of like what happened with Ellen DeGeneres, like as soon as something then came out that she wasn't this persona, perhaps, that she had made a living off, It's that much harder to swallow and even though it's not, they don't like legally have to be nice or legally have to stand up for all these things, they did and then when it comes out that perhaps they haven't, that's why people are so mad and upset about it and I understand that. I do understand that when you've sort of made income or made a brand off of that, it's that much harder to swallow and you're that much more outraged when something like this comes out. It's just interesting to watch because the people that stand for stuff have that much... What is it? The higher you go, the harder you fall. And so if you're just like a mediocre celebrity that doesn't stand for anything, you have way less of a pedestal to fall from. And it's just interesting to watch. It's just like... Mm. Anyway, so I do care about this, but not in the way where I want to see a million TikToks fat-shaming Lizzo about it, like, in coming to their own conclusions about it, in the way that I'd like for it just to play out and... I don't know, see what a fucking court of law says? Yeah. Do you care about this? I definitely care. Yeah, I think we'd have to let it play out. Me too. Anyway, our next do we care from Ruby is Stranger Things actor Noah Schnapp says he would still be closeted if his character Will Byers wasn't gay. So essentially this is kind of all in the headline, and I kind of love this. Like, in my head, there are two ways that – playing if you are closeted, maybe you haven't come out yet and playing a queer character can go. It could be like Kit Connor from Heartstopper who mm-hmm. played a gay or played a bisexual character in Heartstopper and then was sort of forced to come out online because people accused him of queer baiting. Or there is someone like Noah, who is only 18 and has said that He thinks that if he never played Will Byers, he would still be closeted. Wow. And so I find that really interesting. And I really... Yeah, I definitely care. Same. I definitely care about the story. I also need to
1: tell you something. I've never seen
0: Stranger Things. Okay, well, I have never seen past season one. Do you know (laughs) the vibe? I know the vibe. I'm not, like, living under a rug. I think that's enough. Because i'm not a stranger things head i'm not a stranger things fan in my head you just you are a fan of every
1: everything yeah
0: sci-fi every or whatever this is it just loses me a bit i don't know no offense to oh, these guys she's much more of a miller's road trip gal a much more of a we're the miller's <laughs> gal <laughs> um but laura our next story Ooh. that we must get to We've got nine minutes to go through it. And right. Nine <laughs> minutes to get through it. No, we don't. No, we no, are um, Please, Lucy, take us away. Okay. We're talking about boundaries, and we're using Jonah Hill and the whole thing that went on as a way to enter this topic, but the topic won't be surrounding him. Am I right in saying that, Laura?
1: I think so. I think, A, because we're about 100 weeks late to the party. And B, me and Lucy talked about this off mic, which is why we never managed to get to this topic, because we're always talking and never actually recording. (laughs) But I think the there's been I mean now enough time has passed as well where there's been so many, I don't know, different areas of discourse kind of around the subject and what it brought up for lots of people and I think like what plays out between them and what's been alleged and all of that, I think like has been kind of covered enough, maybe, and what What it brought up for me, and I think, Lucy, you're the same, is kind of, again, this idea of therapy speak, this idea of posturing and greater conversations around boundaries, which I think is something that we can all kind of take home, which we love a take home. We love that.
0: We love a bit of a take home. So just to really quickly refresh you, basically, Sarah Brady, Jonah Hill's ex-partner, she shared a bunch of screenshots of alleged conversations between herself and... And Jonah Hill. And basically, the screenshots were of Jonah sending her a list of demands that he said aligned with his boundaries that she sort of needed to adhere to, allegedly. And she posted them saying, This is a warning to all girls if your partner is talking to you like this, make an exit plan. Call me if you need an ear. And so I'm not going to go through all the texts, but there was one explosive text that has sort of done the rounds and been the most looked at one and it sort of shows a list of jonah's demands which say if you need surfing with men boundaryless inappropriate friendships with men to model to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit to post sexual photos Friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past, beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. And essentially, there's been this big conversation about boundaries and whether one person's quote-unquote boundaries should determine other person's way of living and whether therapy is always a good thing, whether if one person's in therapy and the other's not and they're not learning the same things, there's a bit of a mismatch and that can be actually bad. There's been just a lot of talk about control and coercive control and therapy speak and who better to talk us through it than Laura? Probably a therapist. No, i kidding. Pro- probably an actual therapist
1: <laughs> and not just a humble girlie. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, this, firstly, um, I know we've flagged this before, but we did do a whole episode on yes. therapy speak um, probably a couple of months ago now. But very good, I think, flow from this podcast into that one. If you want to go back and find it, we can link it in the show notes. But this idea of therapy speak, um, I quoted Esther Perel, who I absolutely love. Um, she's got a fantastic podcast. She's got several books, one called Maiden in Captivity. That's amazing. And I highly, highly recommend reading her stuff if you're into this area. But when she was talking about kind of this idea of therapy speak, I um, she said that using therapy speak in an argument means that there's a danger that you lose all nuance, that you're basically trying to elevate your personal comments and personal experience by invoking the higher authority of psycho babble. And that for me is what really stood out immediately when I started reading about all of this, because it's this when you use, and I think we did talk about this on the other podcast. so I want to be careful not to repeat myself, but when we're using terms that maybe the other party's not Yes. Not, not aware of, because I think we're now in an age where we're all hearing boundaries, gaslighting, self-care, like too much to the point where we all, you know, exactly why this idea of therapy speak is coming up. But when you use these words and you use terms like that, it can posture to the other person that kind of you're in more control. You know more than the other person. And, and perhaps of, you don't
0: both have the same understanding of those words because we've had that, like, context drift where gaslighting exactly. means, like, a million different things. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Exactly, exactly. And there's an amazing article by The Cut that I will share. They interviewed three different relationship therapists on therapy speak and kind of this topic. Um, and one of the quotes from it... It can be used as a tool to pathologize. Rather than me saying to you, I feel hurt by what just happened, I might say, I think you have borderline personality disorder. In that way, I'm pathologizing you. I'm not talking about my own experience. I'm talking about yours. I'm using diagnostic language that particularly when it comes to something like BPD is heavily stigmatized.
0: And that's really interesting because I feel like what Jonah Hill did in that example was in a different type of way, by saying these are my boundaries and you must adhere to them. It wasn't saying, hey, how do you want to go into this relationship and what's important to you? Like, I don't know, your surfing career and being able to talk about that. So it's it feels like a very similar thing as in he was not actually looking at the situation, but more a word that sort of could set the tone for what he wanted out of a relationship, and not maybe what she did. I think, yeah,
1: and what you said before about people interpreting words differently. There's this, there's this thing of disconnect, right? So, most of us are not mental health professionals, and are most likely using a lot of these terms in ways that probably aren't correct. And I might think about trauma one sort of way, you might think about it a different way, like you also can completely miss the other person, which I, I'm not talking about this situation in particular here. I'm talking about in general relationships, friendships. This was kind of the issue with therapy speak that's coming up, that we're not necessarily all prescribed to the same language. And there's a, another amazing article that I will link by The Guardian, but they basically asked, is this even therapy speak? Which is not something I had actually thought of. I think I just, we've all latched onto the term therapy speak. With therapy um, speak to therapy speak. With e- exactly. With therapy speak to therapy speak. But the author Daisy Jones was kind of saying that she doesn't recall a single moment where the words toxic, narcissistic, gaslighting were ever yes. used in any psychotherapy session that she attended. And that these words actually do have early important roots in psychotherapy. The word triggered, for example, was first used by psychologists as a way to describe those who were suffering from PTSD after the First World War. The term trauma dumping was widely popularized by psychotherapist Janina Fisher in her 2017 book, Healing the Fragmented Selves of Trauma Survivors. Um, but I, it kind of goes on to talk about how a lot of these other words that we're starting to pick up and use are peddled by a lot of TikTok life coaches, relationship influencers, um, celebrities. a lot of celebrities carousels that you can scroll past like yeah. infographics you can reshare and we've all kind of taken this idea of therapy speak therapy speak to it when actually the idea of therapy is about finding the right words between you and the person that you're working with it's all about the relationship between the therapist and the person who's there it's not necessarily she talks about it's not these ted talks where you're instructed on how to cut off toxic people who are trauma dumping on your self-care. It's all about that relationship (laughs) and figuring out yourself, which is very
0: interesting and completely the
1: opposite to... Yeah, to
0: what we're discussing. And, like, it's really interesting as we're talking about therapy and your relationship between you and your therapist and one of the parts about this story, that means it continues to be sort of relevant even beyond Hill and Brady, the people that are involved, is that he obviously made that documentary with his therapist called Starts. And everyone sort of was like, whoa, like this is so good. Like men going to therapy, you love it so much that you make something out of it. You know, sort of this is a net good. And now people are sort of like, is there a world actually where too much therapy or therapy with the wrong therapist or whatever, like can be bad for you? And that's actually a really interesting thing that I've never considered before but you going to therapy and maybe your partner not or just you going to therapy but not being in the right frame of mind for it and then using it as a weapon and arguments and being being like I you know I have a therapist so I know more about x than you and they've told me that you know, I should be talking about my boundaries and things like that. If there's that disconnect there, yeah. then I think, yes, it can be. If, if the person going to therapy is going to then use it as I ammunition. It's that it's the weaponization of it and the posturing of it and
1: kind of yeah. the element of manipulation and control, I think, comes in when you are kind of telling someone else what their experience is. And like, in, yeah. a, in a way, I mean, I know I've joked about this a little bit, but. When people write in and tell you all the things they're diagnosing you with, loose, like,
0: yeah. that's not a nice yeah. feeling. <laughs> no, and, and that's got sort of like, and, and to be honest, it comes from such a good place. But when totally. it is like, I have been to the doctor and I'm like you and they told me I have this, that's their way of using their experience like against, me, well, not against me, but sort of to be like, I know a little bit more than you, so let me pass this on to you. But I don't want that – if I don't want that or if I don't feel like I need that, then it feels like – yeah, it feels like the posturing of you getting a diagnosis and me not. And, yeah, so it's a very it's, – Well, it's confirmation bias, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I
1: think it's confirmation bias and it – I mean, it is a ridiculous example, but I've been watching some episodes of New Girl recently – and there was an episode today where one of them essentially found that like it's Nick when he like gets lifted up in the pool to get over his anger issues and then he's like Jess you need to get over your anger issues so he takes her to the pool to like lift her up in the pool and then like another character and it actually got me thinking about this today and how we all do this when you find something that works for you
0: yes and then you
1: put it on to other people but I think like
0: it's not One size fits it all. That's That's, that's actually a really good example. That's the point
1: of therapy is that it's a personal relationship, particularly psychotherapy between it's between you and your therapist. And a lot of the time, most of their healing comes less from the material you're covering and more from the relationship between you and your therapist. And so I think particularly for something like therapy speak, using these terms outside of that framework isn't necessarily the most helpful for anyone and can be incredibly damaging and incredibly dangerous as well, I think, as we're seeing play out here and as we're seeing play out across many, many relationships. And it's a really, really good thing for all of us to keep in mind that mm. just because you've learned something that works for you doesn't mean at all that you need to really share yes. that.
0: Yes, or like, you're the one paying for therapy and you it works for you and you're the one that has felt a type of way where you wanted to go to therapy or you needed therapy and so that's for you and that is great and we're so pro therapy. But yeah, and saying that exactly as you said, that doesn't mean that the person you're in a relationship with or your family members or whatever want or are ready for or if it's even in the hill situation, relevant or like nice or kind or normal to tell them what you've learned and put it on them Mm -hmm. it's like your thing anyway i feel like there is this is kind of obviously the jonah hill sarah brady conversation has sort of died down in the media but i do think i honestly think therapy speak and the idea of boundaries and the idea of weaponizing these terms is something that is going to get a bit worse before it gets better because there's a corner of the internet talking about it, like us that are recognizing what's happening. But there are still people that are new to all these words and are like, yes, I've learned trauma dumping. I've learned gaslighting. I've learned this. Let me like use it all the time. And so I feel like, yeah, this might get a little bit worse before it gets better, but don't worry. Cause the culture vulture listeners are all over it. I
1: also think just as you were speaking, I realized as well, like therapy, we've talked about this before as well is incredibly like gatekept like it's so so expensive to yes. be able to go to multiple sessions as a privilege that most people just cannot afford. And so I think initially the rise of therapy speak is quite good in some ways because it's trying to level out the playing field a bit and get the messages out there. Like I can see there's pros to it as well. But yeah, I think when it's weaponized in this way it's just incredibly damaging because you are Doing something without the right context or tools. Yes. So it's a it's a tough one.
0: Yep. Well, we don't come on here to talk about easy shit, do we? <laughs> but speaking of easy shit, well, no. What's on your radar? Maybe that's a good question. Oh, on my radar this
1: week, I aside from the rain is actually our Geneva chat. Oh, I really... So I had no idea what Geneva was. Luce taught me to join it. And I'm so glad I did because just for me personally, there is a whole Shit You Should Cook About community (laughs) out there posting their favorite recipes and their favorite cookbooks and telling me what I should do with my summer tomatoes. And it's actually the cutest thing in the whole world. And if you haven't joined Geneva... You 1,000% should for everything but also for the shit you should cook about group chat because it's really, really giving me life.
0: And for Culture Vulture, there's like a Culture Vulture podcast place where you can come and chat about the podcast. Um, so, look, there are all these ways that you can talk to us. Because a podcast, hot tight, you can't really talk back to us, can you? But you can if you want to in the Geneva chat. So I agree. I second that. That's on writer. my radar. What's on your radar, Liz? Um, On my radar is I have just been sent screeners, advanced screeners for red, white, and royal blue, and I am so fucking excited to watch it. I'm actually dying over it, so um, obviously I won't be able to talk about it uh, until it's actually released. You
1: loved that book.
0: <gasps> I lived and died by that book. It's so, oh, it's like, I think I've talked about this before, but I hit a stage, or I'm still kind of... Like this, where I feel like I need to do everything for productivity, so I'd only read to like learn. And then this, like after romantic comedy from Curtis Sittenfeld and this fucking red, white, and royal blue, I'm like, no, she's reading for fun. She's reading for tackiness. Oh, and she's reading for fun. I'm so I 100
1: vouch for this. This was my reading the Confessions of a Shopaholic yes. while we were away in <laughs> Greece. Reading for fun is actually fabulous
0: elite and it's like this is not a hot take this is only the hot take for certain enneagram types who like feel like they need to be (laughs) learning all the time not to therapy speak you or me
1: oh we just want to read confessions of a shopaholic
0: oh and and watch confessions of a teenage drama queen oh yeah my favorite movie and your favorite book series Both of them are confessions. And on that note. And on that note, I must confess, this episode's done. And we'll see you in the Geneva chat, everyone.
1: See you in Geneva. Bye. Bye.